This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mammoliti. So if I had a magic wand and I can grant you one grill master wish, what would be the dream grilling accessory or tool that you'd like to see made accessible? There, there are a lot of accessible tools. I guess maybe what I would say is that I, I would like it to be more well known, I guess, how accessible these things are, because there are these accessibility features that are built into these devices that people don't necessarily recognize as being accessibility features. What is it that you enjoy most about the art of grilling? I like to create things. I'm a creator, right? So I think just making making the dish, seeing people eat it. Plus, it's great just to sit down and eat and share a meal and have family and friends and people that you loved around you as much as we can. And for me, the grill has made that so much more um, a part of my life now, whereas before I, I really did, I, I was trying to figure out how that was going to work. That's John Grimes. He's an advocate with meningitis organizations, the host of Ambiguously Blind podcast and fellow foodie with a passion for the grill. Welcome, John. Mary, tremendous to be here. Thanks a bunch for having me. It's so great to have you here. It's exciting. This is kind of a turnabout thing. I know, I know. I was recently on your podcast. Yes, you were. And I gave you a hard time. (laughs) You did. You did. A little bit. But it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of laughs. Yeah. Absolutely. Me being the Canadian, you being the American, we teased a little bit about your accent. Yes. (laughs) Notably. Right? And they used to be oh, yes. which is a it's a big word too. So see, you know what? I can't even throw shade right now or even joke about it because I couldn't even pronounce the podcast name. Because yeah, apparently we're, we're just, just let me say it from here on out, okay? <laughs> 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 so tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh man, where do we start? Uh so I'm in I'm in Dallas, as we said. I'm a podcaster uh with ambiguously blind. I mean, we both met because we're both part of the disability community. Yes. And in particular, the visually impaired uh, disability community. Um, I'm visually impaired. I'm low vision. Um, I'm ambiguously blind. Mary is what I am. Um, It's hard for me to explain what my uh, vision is like. I'm totally blind in my right eye and I have about 2300 vision uh, in my in my left eye. So really, I just don't I don't see very well. But if I tell you that I'm blind, then most people expect that I can't see anything. And so it's kind of confusing. So there's a visual spectrum and not everybody understands. And that's kind of why I started the podcast about three years ago to kind of just I, I, I needed to learn more about sight loss and other types of things. And I wanted to just kind of start talking about it and talking with other people that were affected by that and get a better understanding basically of my myself and kind of my own situation. Are you up for a game? I am, Mary. I, I know you do this. I'm a, I'm a fan and a listener and I've heard some of these. I'm a little nervous to I be on this it. end of it, but I'm ready. Let's do it. I love it. Okay. So I want to start off with a game of this or that. I'll give you two choices. You choose one that best suits you. Ready? I'm ready. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Burgers or tacos? That's a tough one. Oh, it's only going to get more difficult. If this was Tuesday, I'd say tacos, but I'm going to say burgers. Fried chicken or grilled chicken? Fried. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Bacon or sausage? 
Let's go with bacon. Steak or seafood? Steak. You didn't even think about that one. That one's right yeah. there. Steak. Yeah. Chips or fries? A, chips. I have a I have a thing for, for chips. I can't stop eating them. Tortilla chips is what I that's my okay. my poison. So uh, tortilla chips and just about any kind of dip and don't bother me for the next hour. Have you tried ketchup chips? Never heard of those. They're a Canadian thing. We gotta get you a bag of ketchup chips. What is ketchup chips? They are delicious, is what they are. They are they're they're chips with a ketchupy kind of sweetness to it, flavoring. It's really good, really good. Okay. Do you love ketchup? I do. Okay, yep. have to figure out a way to get you those. We tapped into your podcast, but what was the inspiration behind it, and what can listeners expect from each episode or from the, any of the episodes? The inspiration behind the podcast was to connect and share with other people. The, the tagline of the podcast is challenging beliefs and revealing abilities that make people extraordinary. I know there are a lot of good stories out there. I know there's a lot of extraordinary people and I wanted to be like them. So I wanted to talk to them, understand what they do, how they do things to help improve my life and what I'm doing and in turn broadcast that so other people can learn the same things. This wasn't a condition you were born with. No, no, it was a, it was uh so in 1998, I was a sophomore student in college and I was a normal guy. I was a typical student. I was in a fraternity. Life seemed to be following an ordered path until one day it wasn't. Um, I, I woke up in the hospital miraculously eight days prior, my fraternity brother found me unconscious on the floor in my bedroom. And uh, of course I'm not the only guy that's got a story about a fraternity brother finding him somebody, you know, unconscious on the bedroom floor, but rather than a, uh, a wild and wacky college night, it was uh, due to bacterial meningitis is what affected me, which is a disease I had never heard of prior to that. Um, so miraculously, uh, this guy finds me, my fraternity brother, and my, I go to the hospital, I'm in a coma for eight days. And my parents were at the hospital by this time and um, had been told that I likely would not wake up, which was still a certainly a consideration. Um, but I did. And as I kind of came out of an uneasy consciousness from the coma, it was pretty clear to me that life uh, after the coma or, or emerging from the coma was far from the least of my challenges. Uh, because as it relates to the sight loss, the first thing I see when I wake up was uh, darkness. It was, uh, it was disorienting the darkness and um, I couldn't see but I could hear there was beeping and pulsing machines, nurses and doctors and people coming and going, but I couldn't see. Uh, I had a tube in my nose. I lost control of almost all my muscles. Uh, I couldn't smile that I had caused a smile. Um, I was disoriented, confused, exhausted. I didn't know where I was, how I got there and how long I was going to be there. And that's, that's kind of when I've heard you talk about Mary 2.0. That's kind of when John 2.0 started was in the hospital in Lubbock, Texas in 1998. Take us from, from that journey. So now you're discharged from the hospital. Life is very different for you. Yes, life is supremely different. And as I, I think I said, I, I felt like I was 10 feet tall and bulletproof. I think like most teenagers do. I was 19 when it happened. So this was something I'd never heard of meningitis. I didn't know anything about it. I never, you know, I, it's, it's, 
pretty crazy. I mean, literally I was in bed for quite a while. I couldn't sit up. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I couldn't eat. I couldn't swallow. I, lots of things I couldn't do. And for a guy that's pretty active and a typical person that's never experienced this kind of trauma before, it was pretty devastating. Uh, the meningitis affected my neurological system and they nerves just don't regenerate themselves. Uh, particularly the optic nerves, which is what, what happened with my eyes or swelling in my brain. So my optic nerves lost circulation and um, the, uh, the optic nerve essentially atrophied. So it's kind of like optic neuropathy is kind of the closest thing to say as to what my condition is. And it's not correctable by any um, lenses or any procedures or anything by today's standards. So I just had to learn how to be a student and a, and a human all over. I mean, from like very basic functions. And um, my first objective was to get back to college, um, which was about 200 miles away by the start of the next semester, which was in August. And I did. And that's kind of where things got rolling again. That's where I was so excited to get back out there and away on my own again um, with a and comfortable environment that I'd been in before. But it was just, you know, totally different. Totally it's a different, different world to, now. You know, people go to college to find themselves and to learn about the world and learn about other cultures and things that happen. I certainly did those things. But for me, there was a couple extra learning lessons about kind of life and, and interacting with people and trying to be uh, I mean, I hid my disability for uh, quite a while because I was trying to get comfortable with with that. And yeah. I, I don't I don't necessarily recommend that. But I understand everybody goes through things the way they do, which is another thing I like to talk about on the podcast is just kind of dealing with those types of things. So you uh, pe people can be on a faster trajectory than me. Yeah, and I I totally understand the hiding of the disability because I did the exact same thing. I mean, we know more now. We know um, a lot more about our conditions now. And there's a lot more available. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was diagnosed in my early 20s, again, two years ago, uh -huh. um, I I didn't have what, thankfully, our community has today, which is an online community that we can connect with, we can talk to, um, share stories and learn from one another. And there's always that acceptance. I mean, I, I don't know about for you, but for me, it was more of, I didn't say anything which I thought at the time was because I didn't want to be treated differently, but it was also a sign that I wasn't ready to accept what is happening. Yes. And did you find that for me? Okay. Yeah. You found that yeah. for the same, same I, to be true. I had, I had never met anybody that had meningitis and I had never met anybody that was blind. So I was like one of one. And now sure there were other people on the campus that had visual impairments, but I had never interacted with them. Not because I didn't want to or anything. I just, just hadn't. And really I found pretty quickly that there were a lot of resources and things at the university I was and, and things that I'd never, you know, I, <laughs> I guess I was blind to them when I was sighted because mm -hmm. I just, I didn't need to know those things. Right. Right. So I did discover a lot of resources and, and things that were available, but it took me a long time to really get comfortable using those. And of course I don't have any, any blind friends either. So I'm, I'm the only one in the group and I try to, you know, am I going to, am I going to find a new group of friends? Am I going to like do a hybrid thing? Am I going to just not act like I'm blind at all or what? And those are, those are daily conversations I had with myself. Yeah. If you could go back and tell yourself, stop that. Don't do that. It's not as big as, um, 
of what we're making it out to be. What would you change? I think I would say my motto has become don't wait. And it's not so much a midlife crisis as it is understanding that um, there are things in life that I want to do that I haven't yet done. And Mary, we're not getting any younger, right? So there, there are things to do and you just can't concern yourself with the petty things, things that you think really matter, really don't. And you got to show some, you know, in, in today's world with disability pride and things, and I'm, I'm not against pride, but you, 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 you got to go through a, a brief period of time where you're trying to figure things out and learning, but you've pretty much got to, you got to go for it. Don't wait to start building your life into the one you want. Just do the next right thing. And that's kind of how I try to live now. And I, I think I would tell my 19 year old self exactly that. And now a great example of don't wait is your book. So tell me about the book and what's that writing process like? Yeah, well, the writing process has been super cathartic for me, Mary. It's been 25 years since my incident. And really from the beginning, I wanted to document and write kind of about it. But I just, turns out I'm not a very good writer. And I'm a much better talker, surprisingly, Mm -hmm. than I am a writer. And I've, for a long time, been wanting. And as I mentioned, don't wait. Now's the time. Just do the next right thing. These are all things I've been, I got to take my own advice, right? So one of the things I wanted to do was, was the book. The good news is my life has, there lots of things have happened that have really made this story much more intriguing and much more interesting and full. So I think that this is now the perfect time to, to do this. And through my podcast and through some connections I've made in that world and space, um, I've finally connected with a uh, writing partner who is uh, tremendous and is able to take all these thoughts and ideas and experiences that I have in my head and extract them and put them in a ordered path of kind of progression that have some lessons and things that I, I want to talk uh, that I've learned and hopefully share with other people. So the book is uh, we're getting very close. I've made a lot of progress in the last 12 months and we are getting um, by the end of 2023 my goal is that this book is in print. And this book is telling your story? This book is telling my story and essentially the life lessons that I've learned through this meningitis experience. I'm Mary Mamaliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with podcaster, disability advocate, and fellow foodie, John Grimes. Now, for some, food is all about health, culture, uh, even entrepreneurship. So what does food mean to you? How did you first get into grilling? And what's your secret to becoming a blind grilling master? My secret's probably the internet, um, which is really not much of a secret whatsoever. I, um, Mary, when you were on my podcast, we talked about cooking, of course, in the kitchen. Yep. And you asked me if I was, I think you said, uh, you asked if I was intimidated or kind of, uh, I guess maybe intimidated of, of flame, outdoor grilling and things like that. Absolutely, yeah. And I, we both agreed that we were, um, at least for me initially. And as a guy who lost his sight when he was 19, I had done some grilling in my time. Okay, I mean, I wasn't like a grill master or anything, but I definitely grilled burgers and steaks and all kinds of things on the grill. My, my parents did it. You know, we grew up doing all that. So I was around it. I understood how it worked for the most part and could do those things. But then you throw in this visual impairment and I am intimidated. 
the grill's hot. There's open flames. There's grease. There's things that there's sparks. The thing, you know, how am I going to, so for a really long time, I just didn't. And I became increasingly frustrated by that. And it wasn't until I found a guy that's my good friend now named Chris Peltz, who is the uh, proprietor of Blind Grilling. As you check, check out Chris Peltz. Uh, he's a YouTuber and has a tremendous podcast. And I started listening to him. Chris is, has RP and is uh, totally blind. And he is, in fact, not only is he a tremendous griller, but he caters. Like he caters weddings and banquets and things with, with his grilling. And, and I was inspired by that. And he actually um, showed up at my house one day as part of his YouTube channel. He's got an episode called Blindsided where he shows up at people's houses and says, hey, let's do some grilling. And he brought a grill and all the accessories and everything I needed to be unbelievably great at grilling. Oh, that's amazing. So you started building up watching YouTube channels yeah, so, and getting comfortable with that. So the really a lot of it's in the gear and uh, mostly the knowledge. So it's definitely very easy for someone with little or no sight whatsoever to grill. Um, But it's just like everything else, you know, Mary, people um, with visual impairments, whatever they are on the spectrum, they can do just about the same thing as everybody else. We just may go at it at a different, we, we may arrive a different way, right? We may take a different approach to doing those things. So for me, the combination, I, uh, it can work for, with a lot of different grills, but I have a big green egg that I got from the blind grilling experience, and there's some adaptive equipment. Um, it's, it's funny too, Mary, because oftentimes I find the most interesting adaptive equipment are things that, and especially in the technology world, were meant for the masses. We're meant to make things easier for lots of people. And in turn, they make things super easy for people with sight like myself. You know, the digital assistants are a good example of that, where you can just speak commands to something uh, to get information. And in the grilling and smoking world, uh, there are several devices that do this, but the device I use is called the Flame Boss. And what the Flame Boss does is it hooks to my big green egg or lots of other grills that works with too. And it helps me control the temperature of the of the pit. And I know the, the, the meat, what's going on with the meat or the things I'm grilling. I can, I can modify it if I want. It gives me all the temperatures and times and all these, all this information that most sighted people would just may not even really need to know, but could know if they want. So, so is it connected to your smartphone? It is. Or your smart yep. device? It is. Yep. So it doesn't have to be. Again, that's, you could just use it. it, it it's its own device by itself that sits next to the grill but it also connects to the digital assistants so I can speak commands to it uh, or I can use it on my, uh, my smartphone. Yeah. What's your grill setup like? So you have a big green egg. Yes. Do you prefer what type of uh, grill? Is it like a ceramic? Is it yeah, the big green egg? It's a Kamado style. So it's ceramic. Yeah. And what's the difference? Well, the difference. So the Kamado style is more of a Japanese style. It's where it originated um, a long time ago. And the ceramic grills are, they're very versatile. So you have a grill, like a traditional grill, whether that's gas or charcoal powered, um, they get, they're just meant to kind of get really hot and cook things at more of a higher temperatures usually. But the ceramic grills can do that. My, my green egg can go up to a thousand degrees so I can, I can get it super hot, uh, but I can also get it at 200 or 250 and cook low and slow 
for barbecue kind of stuff. And as I mentioned, I'm in Texas, so we definitely like barbecue here in Texas. So um, it's extremely versatile. Um, that's the difference between a Kamado style uh, versus like a traditional metal type grill, which those can be a lot more intimidating because a metal grill gets, gets a lot hotter. The, the ceramic, um, if you touch it when it's 500 degrees, you're going to sense the heat, but you're not going to burn yourself. But if so you touch you, a, you touch a metal grill that's 500 degrees, you're probably leaving skin behind. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So on a ceramic grill, you can, I mean, it's hot. You it's don't want to be hanging out there, but you can touch it and not give yourself like first degree Absolutely. burns. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what you would recommend is ceramic. Yes. There are lots of different ones uh, in that space. I like the big green egg. So I would, I would recommend those because I have lots of experience with them. But there are, there's, there's lots of different ones. Yeah. So I'm going to throw some grocery items at you. And I want you to tell me, how would you grill this? Because I find it a little challenging. Hot dogs. Okay. Those little guys, they uh, roll around yeah. everywhere. This is great, Mary. I got a solution for you. Okay. So hot dogs, brats, anything like that, right? You get a skewer, like a, you know, a skewer. I, mm-hmm. I, like a, I use a metal one so you can reuse it or just a bamboo skewer. And yep. you just put a skewer through, I can fit, I usually cook a lot of brats. And so we cook um, five at a time and I can, I squeeze the skewer through the end of the brat. Um, that's, how do I describe that? Um, yeah, like through, yeah. So it's like you break through the center. Oh, you go yeah. through the end? Yes. So it, like if you were oh. hold it up, it looks like a flag, like you're holding the Canadian yeah. flag, right? So it's kind of like I a like flag. I like that. Thank you for yeah. saying that, the Canadian right. flag. So it's like a flag, <laughs> but you don't. You don't want to hold it like that because they'll fall off, but you right. put them on there and then you put them on the grill and then you flip um, five at a time, like with one motion. And that I just get so in there. Smart. I just get in there with my hands. I have gloves that, um, you know, would, it would probably be easier if I could use a tongs or something, but I need the, I need to feel it. So I have some gloves that I can get on the grill and not burn myself. And I grab each end of that thing. I flip it over close the lid mm-hmm. and we're back to cooking. Okay. So two things already, you mentioned that I would put in a grill toolkit would be the hot, the gloves, heat protectant gloves, yes. skewers. Now yes. what about chicken wings? Chicken wings. You're going to, I use, always yeah. thought like a vegetable so basket there. Well, let me, let me talk about a basket. Let me kind of okay. divert here a little bit burgers. Cause that I do cook burgers in a basket. So oh, I have okay. a fish basket, Weber, the brand oh, makes a fish yes. basket, which will hold uh, the the place that I get burgers at. My my kids love these little sliders, and mm-hmm. so I can fit twelve hamburger sliders in this fish basket. And so I always struggle with how am I going to flip burgers, right? Because I I don't know if I flipped it. Did I flip yeah. it? Did it flip? Is it in the right place of the grill? Exactly. Am, am I going to burn my hand? I, I got to do this quick because this is getting uncomfortable, kind of thing. But yeah. I put 12 of these things in a fish basket. I put it on. I set my timer because I know my temperature of my grill. I set my timer mm-hmm. for a certain period of time. I put them in. Timer goes off. I flip them. Set the timer. It's done. I mean, I can flip 12 burgers in 10 seconds. And oh, my gosh. That's brilliant. It's super easy. So the same thing I think would apply to chicken wings. It would just be probably because the wings might be a little bigger, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a slightly bigger basket, maybe a vegetable basket. Um, I've never done that, but that's, that's, would be my approach to that. I think the fish basket would work for that as well. Yeah, it would. I think. Clamp them in. Yeah. And just keep on flipping. That's it. So if I had a magic wand and I can grant you one grill master wish, 
What would be the dream grilling accessory or tool that you'd like to see made accessible? Wow. There are a lot of accessible tools um, from meat probes to pit probes to uh, this flame boss device I'm talking about. I'm thinking about what. Like even smokers now are yes. accessible. Yes, they are. And man, that's a tough question, Mary, because with technology, things are, it's just unbelievable the amount of access that um, is available. I guess maybe what I would say is that I, I would like it to be more well known, I guess, how accessible these things are, because there are these accessibility features that are built into these devices that people don't necessarily recognize as being accessibility features. So this flame boss device, which I've already mentioned countless times now, was meant for sighted people that just didn't want to, they wanted to know what was going on with their grill, their smoker. When you when you smoke a brisket for say eight hours or something, you know, you just, there's not a lot you do. You just got to basically make sure it's not going wrong, right? And so with a device that's on the internet that you can check from your phone anywhere in the world, you don't have to sit by your grill all day. So that little element of what they wanted for accessibility means a world of accessibility to me who I use it to actually control my grill and to do the things that a sighted person wouldn't need to do. So there are just so many of those types of things that are already out there that people don't either don't know about or don't either the companies don't promote the accessibility functions of those devices because they don't mm -hmm. know how to, mm -hmm. they don't, they don't know to. And I think my advice to anyone who is listening here or watching is that if you think that there's a device out there um, that can be made accessible or should be made accessible and you have an idea as to how to make it accessible, reach out to the company. Send them an email, explain why you're asking that you do love the product. Um, and the reason why I say this is because, again, we have to advocate. They need more people within our community speaking up and saying, hey, I like your product, but it's not accessible. Can you make it accessible? Because chances are in the setup, when they start manufacturing or when they start developing of these products, unfortunately, accessibility is always an afterthought. So by us speaking up and talking and saying, this is what we'd like to see, it starts becoming more of that conceptual process where they start at the beginning and it's like, hey, we need to make this accessible as well. Not, oh, yes, we need to have accessibility functionality. So I think I've, that, got, that's... I've got direct experience with that. We're working with companies that make devices and I've Amazing. communicated with them and, and not even in the grilling world and just other devices in, in my life where they. And how does that turn out? Um, almost every time people are very receptive to it. I think they want people to be able to use their device, right? Because they want to sell devices. But this is a whole nother market that they could now be uh, selling to that they didn't really think they could to begin with. So. I've done some beta testing for other type devices and particularly some of this grilling stuff. And it's, they're generally very receptive. I ask every guest to share uh, a little kitchen confession with us. Do you have one that you could share? I think I do. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this because, and this is going to relate to the grill. Um, and I, I this isn't going to be published, right? You're not going to record this. This is just between you and me here. The kitchen confession? No, no. This is this is going to be oh, published. All right. Well, then let me give a different one. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I'm just I'm just teasing, Mary. My confession I know. is that <laughs> is that I don't always need to be by the grill for as long as I say that I do. Meaning, <gasps> I might be out back for like two hours, but 
maybe what I could have done to our trouble. Yeah. But sometimes, okay, so. sometimes I just got to, you know, I'll be out back. I, the grill, I gotta, I gotta be by the grill just in case, <laughs> even though I've got all this adaptive equipment and all these things that can tell me what's going on. If I'm not there, uh, sometimes I, so my confession is that I might spend a little, not all the time, Mary, but there are times where I may there spend a little more time outside than I actually need to be. Maybe you're I just, so lucky I don't have your family on speed dial. Yeah, that's I why would totally I, that's why you I'm out. hoping you, you'll cut this part out, I presume. Actually, I'm going to send them the link. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast, chat with me, um, just everything. If anyone wants to find you, listen to the podcast, reach you, where can they find you? Where do they go? Well, it's ambiguouslyblind.com, but Mary, we talked about ambiguity is a big word, so I've got it shortened. It's amblind.com, A-M-B-L-I-N-D. Dot com. That'll that'll take you where you need to go. But I'm on all the social channels and everywhere else, too. And did you notice I only said ambiguously once? And that was at the top. <laughs> and you said it twice there perfectly. So you're I doing good. I just did it when I'm not thinking about it. Right. Thank you again. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise, your insights, your story with us today. It has been a pleasure having you on the podcast. This has been tremendous, Mary. A lot of fun. I love the podcast. It's that time. We've reached the end of another show. Did we get your stomach growling? Head over to kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. Plus, you can check out ami.ca forward slash kitchenconfession for all the latest on the podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and review so we can keep bringing you more episodes you'll love. Our producer and editor is Matt Agnew, and I'm your host, Mary Mamalini. Thanks for listening. 